from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. Oh, and I'm Brian. And I'm Katie. <laughs> and this is the best beer show on the internet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You know, man, I, I, I'm glad that you popped up real quick, though. That That's me. pretty great. Uh, before we get too deep here, I want to give a sh- shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms. Uh, and I just realized the Hop and Barrel Tap Room, uh, you can get a discount on as well. I believe it is $2 off your first pint. Yep. Uh, yeah, so do that and then go to Hop and Barrel. Um, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Uh, click on the fur link above our homepage and join today. Also, we're going to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, and Hop and Barrel Brewing. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash blindestudios or click on the patron link above our home, uh, the bottom of our homepage at patreon.com or at blindestudios.com. Jeez, wow, I'm way off today. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related, man? This is, well, this is the third podcast we've done today, so we're on number Third three. of seven. <laughs> third of seven, oh, yeah. Boy. <clears throat> Give me a long one. But in any case, beer-related lately. Uh, what was the thing I said on the one other show? I drank a couple Guinness today. That's you did? Awesome. My Casey has some Guinness. Yeah, when was the last time you had a Guinness, man? Oh, well, it was also here, but a long time. Or well, maybe it was at the at the at Studio A that was yeah the probably. Uh, so just talk about Guinness for a second, and this might be more of a hop and barrel podcast topic, but maybe how how insane is the Guinness branding when both you and Justin grabbed a Guinness and you're like, do you have any Guinness glasses for us to pour this in? <laughs> I think we're just snob. No, but like that's like that's entirely a branding thing on their part, though. Yeah, because you definitely don't. I mean, it looks it looks like other types of glassware, but it has this like sort of like sh- and it has the harp chevron, on it. And, yeah, the, or harp shaped, you know, nick into the glass, and yeah, I don't know. I it's it's just a super interesting branding thing for me. Like for Guinness, like they have like the widget, and you have to pour it vigorously well, into. I the- mean, that was like the other day. I I was wearing Dickies pants a dickies hoodie and i put on a dickies hat and my jenny made fun of me because she said look at your little outfit you're a little dickie and i was like what and then i was like god damn it i took the dickies hat off put a carhartt hat on because (laughs) i didn't want to wear a little outfit Hey man, I wear old man clothes every day. Like well, I, not... I asked Casey a few weeks ago. I was like, "Where do you get those clothes?" Like, it was like a story, a store just called Casey's. Yeah, <laughs> like where Casey gets this. You know, I have a look, and I'm gonna stick with it. Me too. And, I've cultivated and... over many years yeah. of looking like an old man. Eventually, it'll come back into style. Eventually. <laughs> anyway, what have you been up to, man? I mean. Uh, well, it's not my turn. It's Katie's turn. Katie. Even though she well, we just insulted me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Katie, what have you been up to? Uh, beer related. Uh, nothing. Nothing really per- on, on a personal level. I, um, yeah, I, ha- I don't have any fun new beers that I've tasted or tried. We did at the brewery this week uh, start our dark sour. 
that Ooh. we're brewing. So our next line of, of sour beers in uh, a, in a, hopefully a long line. Um, and so I, I got that wort ready, soured it with lactic, you know, we do with a, a kettle sour program, mm-hmm. um, boiled it, you know, did all the things, got it in, into tank on Friday. And I was actually there, uh, just before the show and I did a diacetyl rest and took a gravity and it's, it's chugging along. So, so kettle sour brew days, like that seems like a lot of work. Well, it's actually ends up being three days. Mm-hmm. So the first day you do the wort, um, you get, you know, you get that in, you basically do your mash louder, get it into the kettle. And then, uh, after a, a, a few other steps, you, you inoculate it. And we use just Greek yogurt. Uh, you can oh, get okay. inoculation, you can get, you know, different inocul- commercial versions of the, that, that lactic acid, but we use, we've kind of figured out a, a formula for how much Greek yogurt we need to add to the boil and a little bit of acid malt. And then we let it sit. It's usually about 48 hours. Actually, it's usually about 36 hours. This beer, for some reason, the, the um, it took a little longer for it to How often to do you get... take pH readings when you're, when you're checking your, your sour? I don't, I don't take one until, so the, so for example, this was a, a Wednesday that we did the mash. I won't take one. I didn't take one until Thursday morning. Okay. And then I take one Thursday, you know, that maybe 24 hours into the process. And so about it, every 12 hours. And then, then that will give you a kind of an idea of, yeah, about every 12 hours about what kind of what time in the morning you have to get there on that third day. Because you have you have to you have to stop the the souring by mm-hmm. boiling with it, the right? boil. Yep, okay. exactly. Yeah. So, and again, I don't know what was going on with this one compared to our last one. We inoculated with the same amount of yogurt, um, but the pH of this one is going to be a little bit higher, which okay. is I think okay because it's a it's probably going to be about a nine or nine and a half percent beer, and <laughs> you know, we've got some other fruit additions going on. So there's a lot oh, happening, wow. and it's a dark. It's a dark i mean it's it, it's 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 got dark, dark malt blueberry yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i'm very excited yeah so um I, and i tasted it today it tastes like uh wordy hop sour water this <laughs> week so uh no but it's gonna be i think it's gonna be great oh very nice yeah more the labels are um, um, i got the labels are gonna be really interesting i think you guys will like it we decided to put an oompa loompa on the label and just Go with it. <laughs> Cease and desist. Here we come. But whatever. Let's go. It's called Turning Violet. So dark blueberry sour. Very cool. Nine and a half percent. Nine. That was awesome. <laughs> I was thinking it would be more like eight, but then Justin sent me. He sent me one of those text messages where it was like, "You need to call me ASAP." <laughs> and I call him, and he's like, "That beer's gonna be more like nine percent." Well, and I'm like. I, in the in the conversation, I looked. I said, "So, according to the amount of grains I'm 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 milling in, this beer is going to be about nine and nine and a half percent. I can cut back on those." He's like, "No, no, 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 no. We'll just do that." Yeah, and so, he- <laughs> and then we're also using a we're also using a Belgian a Belgian ale yeast, so that it's going to be pretty dry too. So we're using our our Bel Saison yeast. Um, right. So who who knows what, who, oh, what's going right. to happen yeah, flavor wise? I did I did uh, decide to ferment. We did we, we fermented that at sixty nine degrees. So it's a little bit lower. A little lower. Yeah. Fermentation that's a little temperatures. Lower. That's better than I'd rather go lower. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I you know that was a discussion that Justin and I had kind of last minute. But we're all pretty collectively like. Let's go a little bit lower than I. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah so. for for uh, I don't want to I don't want to get I didn't want to get all crazy with some a bunch of Belgian yeast characters. No, no, in this beer when it's already got 
a lot. It already has on. all the sour yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. How about you? Uh, well, I brewed again today. Yeah, I saw that on the Instagram. On the Instagram, that's right. I'm on the Instagram posting a lot more lately because apparently we need to increase our social social media presence. <laughs> is what I've heard. I don't understand anything that I do. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, so I brewed today. Uh, I went and pulled uh, Brewing Classic Styles off the shelf, uh, and Brian gave me a very weird look. But that's because... I didn't know what you were yeah, no, grabbing. Uh, yeah, br- grab Brewing Classic Styles because I brewed a Vienna lager today, and I essentially stole uh, Jamil's recipe. I don't know if that's really theft. I think he wrote that book for th- stealing. He should just yeah. say, it should just be called Steal... Steal recipes this. for classic style. It <laughs> just be called Steal This. I've <laughs> stolen a few of those recipes. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. so many, many in, beers uh, out of yeah. that book. Um, and so I, I, I brewed his North of the Border Vienna Lager. Uh, but I, so basically verbatim, um, except I rounded amounts up to whole pound amounts because I don't didn't want to measure anything today. <laughs> Sounds you guys right. know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. You get real, real lazy every once in a while. Uh, so I did that. So it was, we're looking here. It was um, uh, four pounds of Pilsner malt, three pounds of Munich, and five pounds of Vienna. Wait, wait that was it. Uh, yeah, that was that was it. Re- read it again. Uh, four pounds of Pilsner. Yep. Three pounds of Munich. Five pounds of Vienna. Oh, and. Uh, Two ounces of Carafa Special Two. Okay, well that was a big thing that you left out because that's gonna pretty drastically change the color of the beer. Yes, it is. Forgot. Uh, so I think I forgot to put that in the beer. So don't worry about it. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be a, a light. So actually, it's 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 the right color. If, if you're fine with is it, it then reddish? let it. Then it is very reddish. Okay. Oh, I don't. Do you, I don't There's, think two ounces is going to impart that much flavor. Oh no, because I. Uh, so I did the Munich twenty instead of the Munich ten. Ah. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah. Change, so. give you, that'll yeah. definitely give you. Yep. Uh. Yeah. So it's it's in the it's in the area. I don't. Know. I basically stole this recipe, but then messed with it just the right amount to make it my own. I'm gonna side just go go on a little side uh-huh. side rant here. Side quest. Uh, Brian, were you at the our local German restaurant the day that I talked about Vienna loggers and the Nazis? Maybe. Oh. And ever so we went to this the local uh, Windsor Stoop. Windsor Stoop, the Windsor greatest Stoop. restaurant and in Hudson. Talking about Vienna loggers, yeah. and I, you know, we got on the topic of you know essentially like Dosa Kies mm-hmm. and Modelo have s- saved Vienna loggers because yeah. I mean there really aren't. I mean there are some good German examples out there, but those two are the yeah. the big ones, and it's it's essentially because. Nazis, like Nazis from Germany, were trying to flee the country, and they they ended up in German or in Mexico and well, South I mean, America. I, yeah, in South America, and started I brewing mean, beer. Let's let's not say that. I let's say that German immigrants went to Mexico, and let's not blame That's it on not the Nazis. I heard it. Maybe not. Anyway, I, I I told it like that, and <laughs> shh, you can't say Nazis. Well, in no, here. no. So the not so. <laughs> I was like, why can't I say Nazis in a German restaurant? <laughs> so there there was a there was a large immigration from Germany to South America, specifically Argentina, in uh-huh. in the forties. Yeah. Um, but there was also immigration before then. Yeah. That created all these breweries. So, I just, yeah, I just I don't, don't want to be drinking Nazi beer. Don't make well, me feel no, no, bad. No, no. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't, I don't think you are. I just think that, uh, um, 
that's not Nazi beer anymore. I don't know. Anyway, and that and again, the history anyway, is a little fuzzy. But sorry, so side, yeah, so I, I, I brewed that. Did a ninety-minute boil. What kind of hops did you use? Uh, I used Hollertau. Um, and then I put I pitched um, Omega's uh, Mexican Lager yeast. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So I'm very excited. Uh, it's at 51 degrees and it's gonna do its thing. So Katie, we're talking. We're talking. We've been talking a little bit on this episode about the kettle sour. We've got uh, Bjorn. Bjornson is watching us live for the first time. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bjorn. He's in the chat. Uh, and he says, hi, watching you guys live for the first time. You're talking about kettle sour on that note. Have you tried Philly sour to make sours? And I haven't no. heard of this. Lala man, like, I think he knows we use, we mm-hmm. like to use dry yeast when we mm-hmm. can. It's cheaper. And we can make it do the same thing as a liquid yeast. It costs way more. Yeah, that's that. Is that that, that Saccharomyces yeast strain that, that Lala Mond has um, uh, essentially, you know, they've, they've genetically changed it to have it per, when, when it ferments it produces a, you know sour notes yeah i mean all i can see is the little blurb the philly sour is an ideal yeast for traditional styles such as berliner weiss goza american lambic style american wild ales and its resistance to hops make it perfect for sour ipas yeah so we you know we've looked i know that we've there's another uh local company um that we buy our filters from and he set us up yeah. with a, a sour like a sample and I think the the I mean sort of the collective at, at Hop and Barrel is that we have figured out a good program with using that yogurt. Yeah. And the other thing we found out is that some of these you know and this yeast isn't doesn't fall under this category but some of these um, lactic acid products that that are being um, sold now commercially they actually come from the same lab as the yogurt uh, you know as the lactic acid yogurt right. that, that we we use so well and then I think I think we have to pretty much constantly remind each other to only change one thing at a time yeah. or if yeah. something is working just just stick with it because yeah. I feel like we need the, to do an entire episode on kettle sour. Absolutely, again. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is for for using, you know, we use our a, a specific brand of Greek yogurt and we keep it the same. Is the last time we did a sour, Ethan Ethan brewed it, but he had to come in at five at four a.m. to start the boil. I didn't have I didn't start my boil until ten a.m. So there's a little bit of of leeway there that or unpredictability as for as far as production goes but it, it that's that seems to be working fine mm-hmm. for us at this point i suppose if we ever start to you know run a tighter ship then maybe right using, if you uh, if you want like a very specific ph you mm-hmm. have to kill it at a certain time mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and maybe some of these commercial products that are coming out can help us get that there with a, a little bit narrower window of timing but for now it's you know it, i think we spent twelve dollars or something on on the containers of I yogurt feel like that that's we... breaking the bank. That's way over budget. <laughs> like, and uh, and using using those barrels of beer, man. Using those commercial uh, samples for now. I'm I don't know what they cost, but they're probably a little more than that. So, are you saying twelve dollars is too much? How much did you spend on hops? I'm saying just like. <laughs> anyway, how about we talk about uh, Maybach? Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, so this uh, this is actually a topic that Katie has been pushing the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, because you are like, well, people are really going to want to start brewing this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been trying to think about, um, you know, when we think about topics, which sometimes is pretty last minute. 
occasionally yeah, it Casey. Be. Yeah, it yeah. can be. I it mean, can be. Yeah, throw me but, under the bus. But you know, uh, you know, when we 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 record some of these episodes, sometimes a couple weeks ahead of time, and so I'm th- we we kind of did the math and we figured out by the time this episode. Yeah, so this you're, is, uh, you're end, listening. End of, end of December or mid mid end of December. Yeah. You know what? What beer could you maybe start brewing as a home as a home brewer to have ready for when it kind of traditionally was released? And yeah. my Bach, which my is May, it's a it's a a beer that uh, traditionally is drank right around you know early to mid spring. So this would be about the time as a home brewer if you're interested in kind of following that. Um, yeah, doing a long fermentation. Long also, it's fermentation. a it's a it's a lager, mm-hmm. um, which. Uh, at least for us in the northern hemisphere, especially like in the northern states, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot easier to do loggers now. Mm-hmm. You can crack a window and yeah. maybe put just a little sweater over your <laughs> fermenter. I used to do that with hoodies, and that worked for me. But I did hoodies too. Yeah. I was gonna well, because you can zip them, zip them up over the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they're perfectly shaped. But you gotta dress your carboy. Um, yeah. I, you know, the funny thing about this style is that when you said, oh, it's 4C, and at some point, I'd have to go back and look at, at 2008, and I'll do that when someone else is talking so I don't get to distract myself here, but I completely always get this beer mixed up with Dunkel's, Dunkelsbach. Oh, yeah, always I can see that. Because, I, I think, because didn't Summit had a Maybach, and their Maybach was a little darker. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then some also I think had a dunkel. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's darker than what I think that this style should be because yeah. it when I'm reading about this style, I'm getting ahead here, but it's deep gold to light amber. Yeah, and it has a more of a rich malt character and more alcohol than Fest beer, which Fest beer is different than Meritzen Oktoberfest. Fest beer is like yellow. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is just a little bit darker than that. Mm-hmm. But so I mean at one point I started working on the sequel to the Every Style Challenge, which was going to be the Every Style Challenge Lager Edition. And then I realized that was going to be a lot of work. Oh my God. But maybe we might have to revive that and maybe do like one a month mm-hmm. instead right. of one every week. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, like, so let's let's talk about, I guess, Hellesbach or Maybach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is 4C in the BJC, 2015 BJCP style. We're talking about aroma is moderate to strong, grainy, sweet malt aroma, often with a lightly toasted quality and low Maillard product, so uh, moderately low to no hop aroma, often with spicy herbal or floral, because you want to use the type of hops that you know or originate in the the area that this beer did. And we're talking about a clean fermentation profile. Fruity esters should be low to none. I would first more towards none. Uh, very light alcohol, mm-hmm. but it may be noticeable because this. Beer does, in the vital statistics, end up, you know, uh, 1064 to 1072 mm-hmm. uh, for an original gravity, and it will finish uh, between 1011 and 1018. Uh, your appearance is going to be deep gold to light amber. Uh, clarity should obviously be bright, large, creamy, persistent white head. Um, from a flavor standpoint, moderately to moderately strong, grainy, sweet malt flavor is should dominate with some toast or again, the word Maillard product pops up here. So little to no caramel flavors, which is an important thing here, because that would be more your Dunkel's, uh, the Dunkel version of this, a little bit darker. So clean ferment, well attenuated, moderately dry. Okay, so not 
sub sub 10 11 if you get below that 10 11 probably looking a little too dry for the style obviously shouldn't be uh cloying uh mouthfeel should be medium bodied um moderate to moderately high carbonation so we're talking like don't don't crank this like you would your saison um an overall impression of a pale strong multi-german lager beer with a nicely attenuated finish that a little bit drier is going to enhance the the drinkability but not too dry hop character generally more apparent than in other box is, a, is kind of a cool feature on this beer um but it's also in the comments there in this style you can read this yourself uh but it's also known as a maybach and there's some dispute whether hellas which is the german which word is pale right for pale and bach and my or may bach are synonymous so most people agree that they're identical but some believe my bach is uh fest but hitting the upper limits um, of hopping and color so uh, fruitiness is not due to your yeast, of course. It's due to that Munich uh, and whatever specialty malt. So shouldn't be yeast-derived esters uh, coming out on this mm-hmm. beer. So history-wise, fairly recent development in comparison to other members of the Bo- ever other members of the Bach family. The serving of Maybach is specifically associated with springtime and the month of May, as Katie was was talking about. So. Ingredient wise, what are we talking here? Uh, I mean, characteristically, we're looking at a base of pills uh, and or Vienna with some Munich mm-hmm. to add some character, um, although much less than you would with like a Fest beer. Um, Any adjuncts? No non malt adjuncts. Uh, I mean, we're we're looking at the Graheitsa boat right here, right? Mm-hmm. So nothing that's not malt is allowed. Um, we're looking at like some Sazer type hops, some noble, uh, mm-hmm. yep, uh, clean lager yeast. Um, decoction mash is an entire episode that we have yet to do. Um, and we, I feel like we need Ethan for that one. I feel like he's I a very too. big decoction and advocate. You know, for what it's worth, we have a decoction loop on the brew system at the brewery. Mm-hmm. We don't use it. You can mimic that with the the way that Wait, malts are modified. I need to know more about this decoction loop. Does that mean I don't have to scoop things and boil things in a separate vessel? Yeah, ours yeah. just has pumps. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought we would use that, but we don't. Well, we could, though. I mean, you know, another reason that I, I brought up this style is the next Brew Like a Girl beer we're going to do is probably going to be a Maybach. I don't know. So, if, hey, Brian, can you teach me how to use that decoction? Oh, loop? my gosh. I would have to. You <laughs> and have I to would read have the to manual. do it, honestly, yeah, I know, And I know we have to We have to change some of our piping back to what it was. Uh, I don't think, I think any we, of we that. Had a, we had a pump. We A pump got removed and you know what you know whatever but we'll we'll yeah, it's something to figure out but whole story um yeah i would i would that would be a lot of fun um you know if you're not going to do decoction mashing though you can there's some malts that you can add yeah to kind of emulate that suffice to say most most people Those don't decoction mash anyway. well they yeah. don't and you I, if you can taste decoction mashing you you should be like crowned the beer taster of the universe of or the, something because there, excuse can. me, there are very few people that I know that can, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, this was decocted or whatever. Um, yeah, let's talk about some vital statistics. Yes, OG should be 1064 to 1072. So we're looking pretty high there. For the unini- mm-hmm. uninitiated, yes, that is that is pretty high. We're talking, if, you, if you're finishing between the final gravity of 1011 and 1018, we're talking in between 6... Point three to seven point four, which is pretty high. It's high for uh, for a logger, even like. Mm-hmm. 
It's getting high up there. IBUs, 23 to 35. You're just looking for something that's to a, balance it that's out. That's a little on the high side, too, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, for, I uh, think too for a logger. Literally yeah. anything above 20 on a logger. I think. Well, like, but Katie, when, you, when you bump up yeah. that ABV, though, you're bumping up the sweetness, and you need to balance that out. Exactly. Uh, but this is, you know, again, another... It's more highly attenuated. So like, I feel like when, you, when, when we're looking week, at these these German um, fast loggers or um, any of these, the key word here is drinkability. Right. Um, when we're purely looking for drinkability here, and anytime you bump up sweetness, then you have to bump up bitterness. Mm-hmm. Although, like, because as soon as something gets out of whack, you lose that drinkability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a you know seven and seven to seven and a half percent drinkable beer. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the huge, huge I, fan. I think that the that alcohol <laughs> can really impact that drinkability, I, especially uh, if it's hot, solventy, or there is so yeah. It be nice to your yeast. It really shouldn't be. So pit, no. pitch a, a lot of healthy yeah. yeast. Yep. And and re- you know always remember with lager yeast you're pitching more anyway mm-hmm. than you and would ale. The uh, about double. The oh yeah, easily is, double. Is, what is the rule of thumb we say on the show anyway? Double, some yeah. some some yeast suggestions um, would be uh, fermentus Safflager thirty four seventy. Omega has a strain of a, it's a German box strain, so it isn't quite that you know. And the thirty four seventy, I should note, is the most popular lager strain in the world. Oh no way, know. is it? Yeah, I don't know what the white the white labs equivalent. Cool. Is. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I just know that's the Weinstefan. Weinstefaner strain and I was enamored with it and that's what we started using at the brewery and have always used and then the other like the most popular strain in the world yeah I didn't I guess I didn't know that that's cool and the other the other uh, yeast and this is all actually I'm just looking at the northern brewer website for a Maybach recipe the other strain that pops up is the imperial harvest which is what we use L17. at the brewery for our, um, I guess for like, our October yeah. best, That really uh, kind of runs strain. into our second thing here. Uh, tips for brewing some of these, um, at least when you're building a recipe. Um, I guess, what experience do you guys have with brewing my box? <laughs> I, Zero zip nada? I would say... Uh, Zero you know, to your, one. Your, your base okay. malt, your, you know, you, just, first, I, the, first, yeah. the first thing that it talks about is your base malts, uh, Pilsner, Vienna and Munich are the are the three that they talk about. Okay, uh, Pilsner should be the majority of that base malt. Um, and when you're doing a Pilsner, you always want to do a 90 minute boil, correct? Yeah, oh, still absolutely. to this yeah. day, I don't mm-hmm. care what they say about shit being highly mm-hmm. modified. Just do a 90 minute. Yes, boil. you should. Uh, you want to avoid because that Pilsner malt has those precursors for DMS, which dime is, uh, methyl sulfide. Yep, uh, and that that'll that will cooked corn. Make your veggies. beer taste gross. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the other Spring reason, corny. speaking of off flavor potentiality for off flavor, that's when we're talking about this thirty four seventy. This it's it's an it's a easy clean strain, and it's easy to catch the D rest. Yeah. So it. if you're it if is, you're doing yeah. a ninety so, minute boil though, do you want to back off on some of those darker colored malts because you're going to pick up a lot of color from the Maillard? Uh, well, in this beer, for this specific example, you're not using any dark dark malts. Um, I think I was gonna say so. You use the Pilsner malt as your as your main. Uh, I would then uh, the next you know as far as percentage wise in your in your malt bill use Munich and then utilize Vienna for your color. Okay. Because it is a it is a the SRM on this is six to eleven. It is a pretty light beer, and you're gonna get most of your color from the Vienna malt. Okay. But um, I guess yes, that's something you have to think about. Um, well, it depends on how vigorous your boil is mm-hmm. and what your heat source is too because yeah. you're going to pick a lot more color yeah. 
on flame versus mm-hmm. if you're using like an electric element. Exactly. But the the fact is is that, you know, using doing a 90 at least a 90 minute boil or a 90 minute boil on a beer that has pale malts even if it's rich in uh, these dark roasty malts, the the benefits of doing that to make sure you're getting rid of those precursors for DMS is going to far outweigh any any, color. any issues with, you know, uh, extra mayard. Well, and I mean, who's yeah. Um, and then when should we brew these? Now. <laughs> uh, I would say, what is that? What is now in in uh, now is oh, end of end of uh, December, early January. Yeah, I mean, you know, loggers. They you need you want loggers to make sure they're fermenting and loggering for what? Ah, uh, at least a month. At least a month. Yeah. So. Uh, not, six not weeks. Six, six, yeah, six weeks. I suppose is a yeah. good. A well, good so I, I would medium. say six weeks is kind of your minimum from from brew to keg. Mm-hmm. Um, as if you can let it sit longer, let it sit yeah. longer. So if you want to start drinking this beer and have it be well lagered in May, you know, say the first of May, you're probably going to want to be brewing mar- by March first and mm-hmm. very very latest. Yeah, and honestly, like laying a lager down for longer, it only it just no. tastes. Better. Oh, it does. It, just yeah, we, it does it better. Be better and better. Like we we have this at the brewer. We have uh, we call it the Minnesconsin summer Minnesconsin versus winter Minnesconsin. Oh gosh, yeah. The, the, it's it, I mean it isn't night and day difference, but that I those, mean we, those, we just had some Minnesconsin completely that was noticeable. Really good. Yeah, if, if have, you drink that beer a lot, it's totally noticeable. Yeah. Because in in the summertime we have to push the beer and we have to get it out. Fast in the we're summer brewing or it. in the winter, it gets to we're brewing wait a it for that bit. that that shandy, shandy that we make, and in the winter, it can kind of sit and and really just kind of age well in those in those tanks. So, lagering the long. I mean, if you want to if you want a, a great, well lagered beer, uh, for May, start the first of first to middle of February would be yeah. a good. As a home brewer too, it's nice to to have a little bit less like pressure. Yeah, well, yeah, because no, nobody's expecting that beer except you, and so if you can sit mm-hmm. on it and yeah. keep it cold, yeah. Well, and the other thing that I have to think about as a as a professional compared to when I was home brewing is our lager temperatures at the breweries are thirty one degrees, and that's maybe tough to do for a um, a home brewer. They might I don't have know. A, I feel like if they listen to our DIY glycol chiller episode <laughs> well, from a few weeks well, yeah, ago, that's a good point. Or if they have a chest <laughs> freezer, I I right. actually had a chest freezer that I would set to that and. But if you're if you're still relying on a cold basement floor, um, it's going to take longer to right. logger. Well, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, especially if you're up north, like just crack a window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the, again, in the chat here, we, Mr. Bjornson, uh, we were going on about the DMS situation here, and he said one of the fun facts of brewing my box is one should do double decoction with short boil times, which results in higher DMS levels. So DMS levels in Hellespot can be two to six times the flavor threshold, or if you're into the the math end of it, 30 milligrams per liter. So that's quite a bit higher. Can we just give a shout out to Bjorn? Yeah, yeah like, I think we the shout knowledge out that he drops on us all the and, time. And, like, and and my and I don't know if, I don't, if this doesn't may, may not make sense at all, but there I feel like there's good DMS flavor and bad. Definitely. Yeah. So there is yeah, the more there, cabbage-y. there is if you if you were to boil Pilsner malt for sixty minutes versus ninety, that's bad DMS flavor. And this this style, if you you know, if you boil for nine or you do the short, you know, decoctions with short boils, th- those are those are good. And uh, light well, light DMS flavor is acceptable in this style too. It's boiled cabbage versus canned cream corn. Yeah, I think. Yeah, is yeah. the difference. Yeah. 
And I feel like those are very specific flavors that I'm throwing out. I don't know how <laughs> else to describe them. I don't, yeah. I don't either. <laughs> so uh, as far as other tips for uh, brewing, we've got the malt bill. We've got the boil time. The This is not an overly hopped beer, so I would say one 60-minute boil edition of some yep. sort of... Oh, and um, don't, for, don't forget, like, if you're going to do a flame out, don't forget it. Okay. Like that happened today. to you today? Yeah. I'm <laughs> and then I, 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 ran, I ran out to the garage to grab it, and I threw it mm-hmm. in, and did, I guess, a hop stand on a lager. Yeah. I don't... I'm not, I'm not opposed to a good, a good, you know, I mean, I think that traditional German beers and, you know, brewing classic styles is actually really good, a good resource for mm-hmm. seeing how these, you know, um, beers were traditionally brewed versus hop crazed beers yep i'm not a you know i mean i think so i would assume that most traditional like a traditional maibaka had one 60 minute addition to sort of balance that sweetness however we have learned in the last 15 years that adding those later boil edition well, hops can really benefit the beer so remember, maybe but keep it keep it i think keep it germ like keep it yeah German keep, or it, European, keep it traditional you know? keep it keep it on that mm-hmm. but and this this should be an Honestly, maybe its own episode in and of itself, but I remember like when I first started brewing, traditional was 60, 30, 10. Yeah. And that's when you added your hops and yeah. you had to figure out when to do it. And then dry hopping became a thing. Yeah. And, Wait like, till that. Are we doing the Thiel? Is that being released before or after this episode? That's yeah. after. Okay. Yeah. Wait yeah. till that Thiel recipe with these <laughs> latest. <laughs> Let All me right. tell you. Uh, what? Uh, I think we've kind of hit my back as yeah, well I as think we're so. going How to. How about? Here. I mean, should we discuss water? I don't really know. I guess I don't know enough about. Um, uh, I know that my box originated yeah. in Ein. Einbeck, I would Germany? I would use so, uh, so if, if you have a lager water that you're using, mm-hmm. I would use that. Um, I'd have to pull mine up, and that's yeah. on a different computer. Yeah. And, and probably not necessarily like a Czech, you know, like a Czech. Well, that's a Pilsner, Czech Pilsner, or yeah. these lighter lagers. But you could probably yeah, I would do like a, whatever. Like if you brew at an Oktoberfest, use the same yeah, water. Yeah, so you can have some of those, maybe some hard, more hard water characteristics mm-hmm. in your water. It doesn't have to be uber soft. Yeah, because you're pulling some of that caramelization and yeah. stuff with some of the darker malts. Um, let's talk listener mail. Okay. Oh my goodness! Right, I know we I have love listener we, we have we have a lot to talk about. Uh, one of these I wanted to make sure Katie was here to talk about. Uh, I think that is our second one here, but this first one I think is good for all of us. Uh, so this one comes in from Mike. Uh, Thanks for all that you guys do. I love my weekly dose of DOO and Homebrew Bound. Thanks for the DOO shout out. We don't get enough of those. Uh, if I use an electric all-in-one system indoors, do I need to consider ventilation for water boil-off? Is the boil-off rate much different on an electric system versus propane? Uh, quick recipe question. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about this electric indoor system. Um, so I sent him a response offline, but I'm curious to see what you guys have to say. Um, in that, I said you do need to consider it mm-hmm. i would if you have a hood that's perfect mm-hmm. like uh, a, just a, from your stove from your stove mm-hmm. yeah just something to suck the air yeah. out or even just cracking a window yeah yeah i would say the same if, if i was gonna my first thought was is if you can start feeling the humidity in the air or you get that this it, first thing it reminded me of my dad one year he this is a a little bit of a tangent but he uh realized that box elder trees are a cousin to the maple and if you tap them and get their sap you can make syrup from that so he decided to do that and then he was boiling gallons of of box elder box syrup? elder sap in wow. the kitchen and the walls like dripped with 
condensation. So if you're starting to see like moisture on your walls, it's probably you probably need a good, uh, some ventilation yeah. to get rid of that. Well, uh, but not just that. Uh, we've talked before, Brian. You specifically brought specifically brought this up. Um, there's a there's a pressure differential. Yeah. Oh, you know, and and it's like the negative air situation in a building, and that has part of it has to do with the how the boiler air exchange works too. So there is a reason. That's why we have that little gate thing at mm-hmm. the brewery when you pull it up that's that's to make sure that there's an even air exchange but that will definitely help with that i mean you guys can definitely tell the difference of when that's open and when that's yeah, shut sure. with yeah. the way that the kettle works uh-huh. yeah um, i mean you can see you know it's basically steam not coming out of the kettle versus mm-hmm. steam coming out of the kettle yeah, yeah. there's a whole a whole deal with the way the pr- air pressure works in a building um, so yeah, crack a window. Um, you'll, you'll see improved boil rates, uh, bo- or I'm sorry, boil off rates mm-hmm. with just cracking a window. Yeah, yeah it's, definitely. it's insane. And all those, you know, all those numbers that you are, you know, OG final, final gravity, all the things, those are based on kind of a average. Um, so you're going to have to kind of, you know, I always, learn, I learn always noted, yeah, learn your system and note that, Hey, this, this, the original gravity on this recipe says it's 1051 but yeah. i know it's only going to be 1047 so i have to uh, account for that yeah. and we're we'll get a little bit more into that um in two weeks when we talk about uh cold weather brewing mm-hmm. um, i think we're going to kind of go more deep into that um and the second thing here uh electric system versus propane uh yeah. if you get a rolling Jeez. boil you're not really going to see a yeah. a big difference uh, uh with on, your boil off on the homebrew level it's Six and one half dozen or the other, frankly. Yep. No, I, I mean, your your boil off is going to be about the same. It really depends on how vigorous your boil is and how, like, how quickly you can heat that wort. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Re- quick recipe question. A few right. members of my family uh, brew, and we decided we would take one base beer recipe and put our own spin on it, then compare them at Christmas. This year's base brew is a brown ale. And we want, and I want to add some maple syrup to change up the recipe. So here's the extract recipe: uh, six and a half pounds uh, pale ale malt. Uh, oh, I get this exact recipe. I don't see any extract in here. So, uh, six and a half uh, pounds oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. pale ale malt. I just caught that. Yeah. One one pound toasted uh, flaked oats. One pound pale chocolate. Mm-hmm. Half a pound of biscuit. Half a pound of victory. Um, and then an ounce of Willamette at 60, and an ounce of Willamette at 10. Uh, fermented with Y yeast uh, 1450, Denny's favorite. Uh, he's aiming to uh, for a subtle maple flavor to pair with the toasted oats, oats to get a kind of maple brown sugar oatmeal cookie flavor. How much maple sh- syrup do you recommend to add? Oh, my gosh. Um, I said less or 5% or less yeah. was, was my... Was my recommendation because you don't. What is the rule? One to like one to, I suppose one to five percent for sugar. It this is so. What's going to happen? Because you don't want to thin it out too much. Yeah. What's going to happen if you add too much maple? You're going to get that stretch body character that we we talk a lot about in Belgium. Cider like quality. Um, hmm. Does it say when he's adding it? Uh, He also asked when. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, how much and when? Um, quick. Well, it's got to it's got to go in the boil, and yep. the, the short the short and quick answer is between zero and ten minutes. Yeah. But you got to boil it for a hot second. Yeah. You got to kind of pasteurize it a little. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. 
Um, oh, also, it's no longer grade B maple syrup. It's grade A, dark color, and robust taste. Oh, I don't know, you know if I that... agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know, I, and I don't know where Mike Mike lives, but I think maple syrup in in good old Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Might still be grade B. Yeah, it might still be grade B. Yeah. You know, we have a. It's it's just a whole. Uh, but if, if I'm looking at this, I would go with robust taste. But yeah, you definitely want that grade, quote unquote, grade B, or you know the. It's a, it's essentially the seconds of you know they yeah. take grade A and yeah. those are for your like delicious pancake you know on Sunday morning and then grade B and if it, I don't know if there's grade C that's sort of the it's it's just dark. Maybe there's molasses for I think. sure yeah. a use yeah. for it. We have a. A friend who has a maple syrup company, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, like, like said, the short answer is at the end, and go go easy on it because you've got already a pound of pale chocolate in here. And if you and can, maybe is gonna back off that too. pale chocolate because that's going to add a lot of roast. I, I would think, think a mm-hmm. pound is too much. Yeah, I think for this, if we this size, are, like, I'm sorry to backtrack, but I'd do four ounces of pale chocolate. Yeah, for the color, and then add in that uh, maple your, syrup, your robust taste maple mm-hmm. syrup to kind of balance that out because you're gonna get some astringency from that just because of the nature of dark sugars like yep. that and then yeah. the syrup's going to crank your abv yeah. too and thin the body um so and it's yep. good to have this biscuit situation and these flaked oats will make up for it as well yep. yeah also uh ferment high yep well and then also you you're you're indicating or i mean not ferment high but uh mash, mash. high mash yeah. high yep yep more alcohol less temp so the inverse is true here and then you're using a pale ale malt which should be that you know, more of the the more robust, mm-hmm. rather than like a two row. Yeah. Um, and then his final thing here is uh, an episode I want to do uh, in the future, uh, but just kind of talking off real quick here. Um, he's looking at fermenting under pressure. Um, so brews are carved at the end of fermentation. Have you done this? Uh, how would someone bottle beer off of one of these systems? Any advice? Is he tips? talking about spunding? basically spunding okay um or i mean (laughs) what what you guys technically i guess what you guys do in bright tanks like those are all under pressure for or uh like no we don't we don't you transfer well we we, in a a sense we do ferment under pressure because it's a closed system but there's a pressure relief valve that well and they're also you know the the beer is absolutely fermented and cold crash before we transfer before you right yeah um i i worry about this a little bit because yeast you know even though yeast is you could say okay this yeast has attenuated to what it's supposed to but do, it'll still keep going after after that final it hits it, its final gravity there are some things that it needs to do to get rid of byproduct byproducts of that fermentation yeah. that will end up as off flavors in your beer if you don't just let it do its thing yeah sometimes and and think about it like this i'm gonna put i have I have three cups in front of me, and one, I'm gonna pick one up in each hand. Sometimes yeast cells need to take and drop out one thing out of their hand and pull a different thing into the cell to do something, and then they need to push that thing back out again and pull the other thing back in. And so the thing that they're pulling and pushing out oftentimes is an off flavor, but it has to pull it in to change it and kick it out. You and then sound that, that make you, you make that sound so like supporting and. Um, like, like here you go, buddy. Just well, go yeah, now I'm gonna bring you in. It's like yeah, it's like a, they, a foster parent. They, or something. Uh, 
that's also often either, that's how that's actually how the DMS cycle works. Is <laughs> yeah. that's why yeah. it, like yeah. it, it, they're bringing yeah. something in and then kicking something that's out. That's why we that's do DMS, the derest. So. <laughs> that's why you do the derest. So you're ready. You go it's, do your thing. Yeah. Okay, come over here. I can help you. <laughs> and it, this is years and years of trying to explain this kind of crap to people on yeah. like a very base level, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I'm yeah. on a homebrew podcast. I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, my experience, I've never, I've never, uh, you know fermented under pressure because i've always been too paranoid well a a, uh you know the the byproduct and we're finding now more and more there's a ton of byproducts of yeast Mm -hmm. fermentation but the kind of the basic four is obviously alcohol carbon dioxide and heat and alcohol is a byproduct of fermentation which we're looking for as brewers but it's also toxic to yeast so Mm -hmm. um your yeast health will suffer if you start keeping um your beer under under pressure while you yeah. ferment yeah i guess yeah if a spunning valve keeps it under one atmo yeah so yeah. it makes it a closed system mm-hmm. yeah but you're not gonna like you're, but you're not gonna carb by the end of fermentation it depends on what type of vessel you're well and into because bungs like those rubber bungs are only good for about three to so five psi Mike, I, I guess i guess yeah, my maybe. question here is what vessel are you um are you fermenting in because yeah be I, if, 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 if if your if your goal here is to have faster drinkable beer um and you don't have a keg system have a keg system and then force carb or just buy a keg and a regulator and just force carb that day and then bottle off of that yeah. using a beer gun or something yeah um, and I feel like you're going to have a lot fewer issues. Or if you, you know, you could do the whole, the old fashioned, that Krausen method of fermentation. If he's looking to kind of keep it, you know, where you basically you have another batch going and you scrape off the. Oh, yeast you scrape it and keep it going. And you, and then you add that to your, your beer that's already fermented and done. But that's, a, it's the same thing as adding like a priming sugar. Right. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. All right. Um, and then we have a question from Michael. Uh, we're going to throw this in here. This used to be a super long episode. It'll be fine. Well, um, working my way through your yeast series, you mentioned a little about yeast health. Um, I've had a few off flavors lately that I suspect are the result of unhealthy yeast. I recycle my yeast probably on generation eight of White Lab CA01 right now. Um, I do a starter every time, so I thought that would keep things working. Do you have any suggestions for keeping my yeast happy? Do I just need to buy a new packet? Shit. I immediately, wasn't, I'm I wasn't like, ready for this question. I, immediately, I'm thinking, you're on generation eight. Yeah. I feel like you're getting towards the end of that. Get yeah. get new yeast at yeah. that point. But I, I but agree. there is a technique called yeast washing that you can do, which is mm-hmm. a whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's we, a whole we've episode. Talked about, we actually talked about that yeah. a bit in our yeast discussion, Did and we? you probably aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is um, something called yeast washing. Yeah, where basically you wash the yeast with an acid but at at, at gen eight on that small um you're yeah just get a new pair my my opinion on on a home brewer level if you are wanting to reuse your yeast um and i i did this a little bit at a a, you're it's probably not a closed system unless you figured out a way so what i would what i foresee happening is he is harvesting yeast and what he should be doing, is instead of putting that entire pitch of yeast into your next uh, beer, split it into into three. So you wanna you wanna basically rack that yeast into, and you can use Nalgene bottles or something. Because if you're if oh a, so then you have number three one if you're over pitching yeast, and you know there is there is a threshold. Under pitching yeast is a lot worse than over pitch, pitching, but there is a there is a threshold, a threshold there is a threshold yeah. for over pitching and. 
you uh, one one yeast fermentation from you know say batch one of this fresh uh, fresh pitch will be two or three times more yeast than than batch two actually needs. So you don't use all the yeast. A B it's an open fermentation. So even even though you're being super careful about transferring that yeast from one fermenter to the other or putting it into you know some sort of you know bottles and storing it, you're still going to have open air you know, potentially mold, dust, whatever, getting into that. Um, so that's going to alter your yeast. And then, um, yeah, I, I just don't think you should go more than four generations. I with, really don't with, either. Uh, if you made it to eight. On a homebrew scale. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Mm-hmm. Eight's yeah. really good yeah, at a homebrew so, scale, so, Mike. Uh, there's, there's no, I mean, it, I think on a commercial scale, uh, uh, we we do at hop we do and it's closed we do you, six what and that, we do six generations six gens but you pitch by weight though is the other thing yeah, and yeah, yeah. when you're pulling the yeast like from the cone like you guys are looking at it yeah, oh yeah yeah like yeah. i would take a pinky and i would dip it yeah, in yeah, and taste yeah. it and take a peek at it yep. and sniff at yep. it um and, and the other thing about about on a on a with at least using a conical fermenter, and you know maybe this is something that he has as a homebrew. But you know, there's always when you're when you're dumping yeast or brinking yeast, there's always the stage of your dumping where it's all hops, and then there's a good amount of yeast. And if it's a beer that you've dry hopped from, then there's more hops. So you want to mm-hmm. get that that layer right in the middle. In the but middle then you also the want to get the kind of the middle layer of the that middle layer. of that because so you don't want it's the a dead lot. yeast, you don't want the super active, you want yeah. the mid layer. Yeah. Right. So, but again, it's it's. You know, if if you're just going batch to batch, um, I would assume he's probably been over pitching, and that that that's not going to be yeah, helpful. Yeah, yeah. We but, don't we don't have quite enough yeah, information here yeah. to make a super good thing. But the, I would say if you got eight generations out of that, that is super good. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he he says packet singular. So I'm also wondering like, if you're doing five gallons, why aren't you pack yeah. pitching two packages? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe well, he's building a starter. Then you yeah. only need one pack. Does it say that? He builds a starter. No. And, and well, it, I mean, it's white labs. And, but that's I'm, another. I'm just giving okay. him the benefit yeah, of the doubt. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, sure, and that's. Sure, but sure. that's another point. Regardless of his processes, even if you plan, especially if you plan to repitch your yeast, that first pitch you should have made a starter mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, because it's going to be healthier going into it. The other thing that you want to do when reusing yeast is is offer it yeast nutrient. That's also very important. I mean, I guess the yeast, they like their nutrients. They love it. They're single-celled eukaryotic organisms. They're they very need their happy. essential vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like you give them a Flintstones, they're good to go. Don't give your yeast a Flintstones vitamin. Do not <laughs> do not do that, guys. That was a joke. <laughs> but the other thing that, Michael, if you want and if you haven't already, is uh, uh, Jamil Zanishev has a great book. Is, does he have a co-author on that? That yeast book that he oh, uh, Chris White. Chris that's Chris White, White and John Palmer. No, is that is that it's Chris White and Jamil Zanishev. Jamil? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a it, that that's Palmer a great reference to, um, you know, using and and utilizing yeast in its best capacity. Right. Yep. All right. White and Zanishev. I had that one wrong. Every every uh, home brewer should have that in their library. Yep, I think that's uh, that's the one that he's working through right now because uh, we went through this book like we're doing the. That's why there's all these things in it. <laughs> all right, well, should we get out of here, guys? Yeah. yeah. I have outro music. You do. 
All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at blindersstudios.com. See you guys next week. Peace. Good night.